Welcome to another segment of Market Overdrive. It is Wednesday, and as always, we start timely at 10 a.m. to deliver you the news and trends about real estate and what's happening in the market. With me this morning is Mr. Javier Garcia. How are you, Javi? I'm doing good, Carla. How are you? Great. I'm excited. We have a great topic today. I know it's kind of boring, but we're going to make it great. It is not boring. Because honestly, so boring. those are like the two most like critical junctures, at least for me as a lender, because I usually don't order my appraisal until we have have an inspection done on the property to make sure that we're ready to proceed. Oh, that's a cool thing because we always have arguments. I always get into fights with you guys about it like you guys do your final walkthrough, right? So <laughs> in reality, as a lender, I'm like Jesus. I hope everything goes well. Well, since you went right into it, what is our topic for today, Hobbs? So today we're going to discuss exactly two important time frames in from beginning of purchase contract to end of closing, um, where a home buyer can actually make sure that they're doing the due diligence okay. and doing a proper inspection on the property so that that way they're not buying a property that's considered a lemon. You know, we've all been there, probably our first car that you ever purchase, right? <laughs> Usually you end up buying it on a budget. And we had and a hard time with that post because I was realize... like, a lemon? Is that a house? Is that a car? It was like, Carla, it's only, it only applies for cars. No. Right? It applies for houses, too? It applies for homes as well, too. You know, I've seen a lot of people who sometimes buy properties as is, and then once they're in the property, they realize there's a significant amount of issues with the home and things that are probably not your standard 5 to 6 or 7K in repair. Sometimes it could be a foundation issue. Sometimes it could be a roofing issue. And you're talking about fifteen to $20,000 in expenses at that particular point. Javi, like, you're really getting into the topic, but you're not even a realtor. Like, what the heck do you know about the, the, the struggles that is being a realtor and having to deal with like inspection and final walkthrough. You know walkthrough. my philosophy. My philosophy <laughs> is that I am buying these homes with these buyers, right? Whatever. At the end of the day, we hold <laughs> a collateral. Lending. Why don't you go ahead and introduce so, our, our guest today? That's why he today he is a realtor and he is in the trenches. Absolutely. He so sit today, pretty in the office like you do. Really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so today's guest is I've actually started working with this gentleman. Uh, he's actually you know, new to the industry uh, as an originator. He's kind of been doing this, you know, behind the scenes for quite a few few amount of years. Um, with Newman Realty, I have David Lotan in here with us. And I Lotan. Definitely... Thanks for having me, guys. Lotan. Be here. I wrote Great it honor. low and tan. That's right. Kind of like my skin tone, I guess. Sort of like what Hav's got going over there. So Came give us a little island. bit of history about yourself, David, and let everybody know exactly who you are because I've seen you in behind the scenes in a lot of transactions over the years and things like that. And I've actually been very impressed with how you've been spreading your wings and kind of really making it your mark in the industry right now. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, I appreciate that, Javier, definitely. Um, I got a chance uh, totally randomly with Scott Newman to come on board and be an intern about six years ago, fresh out of high school, just moved to the city, um, was in uh, college getting my degree in business uh, about four years ago. Actually, last week, four-year anniversary of my license, got my license, started Congrats. selling real estate. Yay. Thanks, guys. Uh, trying to double business every year. Love um, it. Was uh, the first couple of years really helped out behind the scenes, like you said, with Scott Newman, kind of, you know, blossomed a little like bit. What is like working with that man? Oh, well, <laughs> you know, I'm sure he's a great guy. Good, good time always. Crazy. A lot of energy, crazy, um, and definitely, you know, someone that is, is someone that you can look up to. He's a great sure. mentor. Love um, Scott, definitely. and officially, Javier, we got to go out there and we got to bring uh, Mr. Newman in the studio one of these days because he's so busy for us. Too busy, always busy, even for me. So. <laughs> But he's a, he's a great guy. Um, and I like to, you know, specialize with my buyers on kind of envisioning things, which goes hand in hand with the inspection because no inspection is perfect. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. But it's all about kind of seeing what the end picture, the end game is going to be and guiding your buyers along the way. So uh, I do a lot of rehab work. So I think this is something that I can 
give a little bit of input in absolutely um, and then we'll go from there so i love it and i like the fact that you say you have you have you do rehab work so mm -hmm. i think that gives it a whole different like dimension to the way you're servicing clients because you're able to foresee some of these issues mm -hmm. um i like to say that when i'm looking at a property i'm always looking at the ceilings to see if there's any stains um you know that could be potentially water damage or roof issues mm -hmm. um in the basement we're looking for like another trend of water you know like to show if there's water some people try to hide it mm -hmm. right so they'll do the drywall in the basement Jeez, yep. but then in the closets in the utility closet you're looking at like the stains from the water because there was like flooding in the past those are huge no-nos now for me it's probably the main thing i'm always focused on the foundation just because i purchased a home with a bad foundation once and it ended up costing me about twenty four thousand dollars worth of work so i always wow. kind of look at you know the basement the foundation crawl space i always want to make sure they're doing their due diligence because the last thing you want is like a bowing wall or something like that oh, that's going to require a significant amount of work um for me you know it's something that every you know when I do my intakes with my home buyers, I always kind of let them know that attorney review process of why their earnest money is going to be protected in regards to doing a home inspection to make sure that they're definitely want to proceed with the purchase. Love that, and it's totally true. So let me go back to David and say, um, what is the timeline like? At what point do we start talking about nego uh, negotiating or you know doing an inspection? Well. Quite frankly, I'm already inspecting when I'm on the showing, if my buyers are liking it or not. I also kind of want to look out, like you said, you're looking at the ceilings, you're looking at the walls, the basement, cracks, anything, uh, you know, separating from the walls. Those are things that you want to avoid having to spend money on an inspection, obviously, if you are kind of aware of them ahead of time. Good, but when yeah. you bring in the inspector, after you have that executed contract, right now the contract, I believe, is a five days. So we have a five-day period to get that going, rolling, and then attorney review kind of kicks in. Uh, sometimes it can extend that to seven. It kind of depends on how that works. But I like to go ahead and get the inspection done two or three days after that uh, executed contract. Of and course. And you're not wasting any time because yeah. the market's so hot. There's no inventory. So we want to make sure that we're not missing out on opportunities if this one isn't going to pan out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's very, I love the fact that you say you're already doing the inspection as you're, as you're showing the property. Because, you know, the clients are there to fall in love with the property. You're going to love the room. You're going to lo love the floor plan. Uh, the bones of the home. Sometimes if we have a creative budget, right, we're looking at go. just the bones. Um, but, yeah, our job as realtors, and, of course, this is what you should expect expect and demand from your your realtor is that they're already inspecting the property for you because you don't want to go under contract and buy something that's going to potentially have bigger issues down the road um i like the fact that you're saying like once you have an executed contract that's when you can go and do the inspection and you like to do this two to three days after executed contract um i want to say yes because you know it takes a while for the report to get back to us so mm -hmm. we can't negotiate something that we don't have you know a report for and of course if you miss that inspection time line or deadline right five to ten days i it, sometimes people like 10 days for inspection um but if you miss that deadline you're kind of screwed right you're gonna buy it as is that's it yeah but even sometimes you're putting in as is in the contract when you're writing and especially if you're doing a rehab property like i, I represent few investors whatever that's just buying it want to take it down i always recommend an inspection obviously um it's kind of the buyer's decision but as a realtor you should always advise them to be making the best decision possible to avoid that lemon purchase right yeah, yeah the absolutely. inspector partners are going to love you for saying that mm -hmm. always get an inspection that's i mean right. who wants to get stuck with the property mm -hmm. and then that really really sucks i mean there's some really crazy nightmares out there and it's happened to a lot of us now i'll ask you both a question since you guys are on the real estate side how do you select the proper inspector that you guys want like how thorough <laughs> can an inspector actually be because i've seen some inspectors who can go into a property be done in about 45 minutes and then oh, i've had gosh. some inspectors who will probably remain in the property for two to three hours mm -hmm. to complete their report like what is it exactly that you guys look for in an inspector to properly vet a professional david well 
I uh, I work primarily with First Choice Home Inspectors, uh, Justin and Mike, great guys here in the city. They go all over for me. Hi, um, guys. They definitely <laughs> go above and beyond geothermal imaging cameras, things like that, that you oh, wow. want to actually see in your inspections. You can see in the walls, moisture, temperature variances, et cetera. Um, you're right, though. A lot of inspectors can kind of like quick in and out, get it done, or they even freak buyers out because the, the, the inspection report is so, so intense and they're going with every single code in the city, not taking into account when the actual home was built and what, you know, restriction technically does apply to the home. Okay. So you, you want to, you, you kind of <clears throat> test the waters. I was thankfully referred to someone who I really, you know, got to know and trust and I've been on hundreds of inspections. So that's where you kind of learn the things that they're looking for and you can look and, you know, find them before you even get to that inspection process. That's so. awesome. Right. And I like to say, like, you know, obviously, after working in the business for so long, I've been doing this for 12 years. So I kind of have built a network of people that I work with. But for me, it's more of like the shock, right? I mean, if you're looking at a property that's under 200,000 or maybe under 100,000, um, I don't want an inspector that's going to go in there and be like, there's asbestos, you know, and it's so expensive to remediate. And you're like, dude, it's under $100,000. Let's put it in perspective. This is going to be an investment clients are going to have to do because it's in our creative budget right um but somebody you know they have to go through and educate clients about how to you know inspect the property but how to use the the amenities in the property and also walk them through like what are what is the process of remediation you know what is mold what is a mold inspection so mm-hmm. i like um inspectors who are more on the educational side versus someone that's like shocking clients and making them afraid because you know there's so many fears involved or so many emotions involved with the transaction already mm-hmm. that to have an alarmist per se it kind of messes up the, the transaction for everybody. Absolutely. And I think another point is that inspectors, and I think they'll love this for, that I'm going to say it, they're not necessarily going to give you direct quotes on what's going to cost, right? They're right. professionals who are going to see what's going on and what's different and can give you their opinion. So they're going to say their opinion, but then you obviously have to bring in the specific, you know, professional, whether it be, you know, masonry, mold, whatever it is, they're the ones who are the true professional on it and can give you the actual cost. So you don't want to get freaked out just by the quoted number that an inspector would give you. I love that feedback. You know, I really like that educational approach with things just because a lot of the times I will have clients who will call me and say, hey, we're taking a look at this inspection and we're afraid that, you know, there's way too many repairs. And then actually going through the inspection list and maybe there are 25 items listed but out of those 25 items, maybe 17 of them are really minor items, you know, like GFCI outlets that we all know is just very Reverse equal, polarity or loose toilets. Or, <laughs> you know, smoke detectors, inspection. which is crazy how some people still don't have smoke detectors in their home. Yeah. But you, I do see a lot of reports sometimes come back with no smoke detectors and things like that. So I think the educational process is very important to kind of set the proper expectations with that home buyer. Because like you said, you know, sometimes there's a lot of people who do have cold feet in regards to the home purchase. And sometimes they're looking for a reason not to make the home purchase as opposed to completing it. And if I could chime in one more time, what yeah. you of just course. said, the, best, the, best, the cheapest investment in your home is going to be your fire detector and your carbon monoxide detector, okay? And one thing to note, they are not sold yellow, okay? So if, you're, <laughs> if your fire detector or whatever smoke detector is yellow in the David home, it's taken it's it down time, to like it's time to replace. There it's you time go. to replace. So they are sold white and they change color when they are no longer in complete functioning order. Right. So check your smoke detectors, do your batteries six th- uh, every six months. And you'll be good. If you learn anything today's show, it's just go. like inspect the, the detectors. But listen, give us one of your like nightmare stories, like <laughs> insane like inspection. We nightmare missed stories. Nightmare stories. Want to use nightmare? I like nightmare okay. stories. You're talking about inspections. It could get really, yeah, really nightmare. Yeah, you know you're right soon. about that. What do you got, David? Well, you know, like I said, I do a lot of the kind of rehab investor stuff, so I've seen you know pretty 
growth properties where you're literally walking into the basement, you step down one foot, one step, and the next step down, it's water. And the entire oh! basement is full of water. You have asbestos that is even ripping, uh, you know, in a basement that's actually exposed, and you feel it, you see it, and you go down there, and you're freaking <laughs> out. Um, right now, I'm doing a very, like, high-end deal that actually has some mold uh, we just discovered oh, with wow. the geothermal imaging camera. So now that's a different, you know, approach. You're all techie. As opposed to, what do you mean? With the geothermal camera. Well, I love that. And I the... Mean, Everybody wants that X-ray. And the drone. X-ray. That's, That's Superman. Right. It's that Superman see, vision. You want to see into somebody, you know what I'm saying? Dating, buying a house, buying a car. We're going to take it there. Through, right? So that's what the Jamie's geothermal gonna helps take it you. So. We're talking about real estate here, right? All right. We can talk about anything, but the, that's, that's key. So I think that being able to like educate yourself on those things and like have as many tools in your or to your at your disposal, that's going to be your, your best win. So. I love it when people are like, well, we got that property disclosure, so I doubt that there's any issues, right? Because the seller wrote, have you occupied the property in the last 12 years? Yes. And then everything else is no, mm-hmm. right? There is no mold. There is no issues with the plumbing. There is no issues with the HVAC, furniture, uh, whatever, HVAC. Mm-hmm. But then you go into the property and the inspector comes in and they're like, well, you know, the HVAC is 15 years old. The roof is like, there's a second layer on the roof. So how do you negotiate on behalf of clients so that they can, you know, like they bought this property, say we're buying for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars and you know they really like the property but then there's this big ticket items like the roof that needs to be replaced or maybe just patched up and repaired some windows are broken um, and then underneath that carpet in the, the rug in the living room there's a big stain or you know fire damage how do you go about negotiating that on behalf of a buyer mm-hmm. well obviously the disclosure like you mentioned that's to the sellers the best of their knowledge right <laughs> and I'm not calling sellers uh, liars I'm not calling them anything but all sellers think that they have the best thing, like right. it's, even my house, I think is the best home. No one's gonna, no one's gonna beat it. Um, but it's your your responsibility, your your due diligence is what we call it to make sure that those items actually check off. Um, the what I do like to do is see as much as I can ahead of time. So I, I know what to look for in a furnace. You can also look and see the servicing, see when it was serviced last right. to see if they're keeping up with that because they always put the sticker on, see when it was built. You oh, can come on. Tell. My f- sticker fell off, so. Oh, well. Really? I mean, that- <laughs> or did we take the sticker off to make sure, like, oh, we're not going to look Are you questioning that. my integrity, Javi? <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Javi. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're on my side. There's no. a thing here going on. There's always lenders versus realtors. That's come right. on. I need you on this side. Right, so what on. do you do when you got, like, other tenants in the property? What do you mean when you have other So, like, tenants? I remember I had a client one time and he called me. He's like, Javi, they got the inspection and in the crawl space are snakes. What? Yeah, like, what do you... Where, in Chicago? So yeah, that? in Chicago. It was over, I believe it was Northwest Chicagoland area. I believe it was uh, Edison Park. I don't sell properties with snakes in It was a crawl space them. and they had snakes in the crawl space. I would have excused myself from the transaction. <laughs> at the time. Wait, so was it a tenant? That's what I said. The, a tenant was buying... No, that's okay. what I mean. The snakes were the tenants in the property. He's trying to be funny. Oh, <laughs> I totally lost. Totally, this totally went Where's over her coffee? head on that I one. I need coffee this morning, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks, Javi. I'm totally no. thrown off. But okay, going back to the process. So the report, obviously, we have to do our due diligence, and then you negotiate. So how do you go about like determining how, what the costs associated with the repairs, and and who negotiates that? Is that the attorney or the realtor that goes and fights for you? Well, it depends on your realtor. Some realtors will say hey, my hands are up in the air. Now it's the attorney going to do it in review. That's part of the process. But I think it's important to have be a full-service realtor like yourself and myself, and you are involved in every step of the transaction. Um, you're going and getting quotes if your clients need a, a mold remediation done. You're the one meeting them on the property, getting that quote before you uh, are giving the attorney review letter. So you have a number in your mind. Something that I like to like 
pride myself on is I work with multiple contractors. I've done many flips, so I kind of have a ballpark figure. The easiest thing that I like to recommend to my clients is have a credit issued, okay? Mm -hmm. If you're going to issue a credit in lieu of repairs, then you know who's going to be doing it. You can trust that it's done correctly, and it's done as best as it could. Who should you guys check in with about those credits, by the way? What are you talking about? I know what are you you're talking about? I, else. Yeah, I know. I, I love how my real estate agents, they are very creative with resolving these issues and these credits. But who should know about what these credits are going to be at closing if there's going to be some form of financing? You always property? get a quote from a contractor and you confirm it with your, your attorney. And your attorney? Okay. Why? And who else? Who's financing the home? Who cares? Who's funding? What do you? That why home? does it matter what the lender? Check knows with your about? lender, everyone. Check with your lender. <laughs> why? Because sometimes some repair escrows are not allowed to be done after closing. Some repair escrows have to be completed prior to closing, depending on the occupation of the property in itself and the purchase. If it's going to be owner occupied, the pro- the property can have any form of safety hazard issues for an owner occupied residence. So there are repair escrows where we can sometimes put money aside for you know a roof repair, you know. But a foundation issue or something like that, you cannot get as creative with that just because it could be substantial structural damage, and you won't really know until the work begins. So they can't buy that property? So you have to make sure to check in with your lender. Lender just, being he key. He always seeks validation. Yes, I, we always lender. need the lender because they have the money. They control the transaction, I'll, blah, blah, blah. At the blah. end of the day, we're going to be funding that loan, so we want to make sure that that person who's purchasing the home is putting themselves in the best position. The last thing they want us to do is for them to maybe take a $15,000 credit for something that is actually going to turn out to be a $35,000 cure. You've confused me now. So let's go back a little bit. So if we're buying something... Throwing that out there. I know, I know, but let me go back because I'm a little slow this morning. So if you go and structure a deal where somebody is getting closing cost credits, right? So we're buying something for $200,000 and then we're getting, you know, like $6,000 back for closing cost. Then I go back and do a home inspection and there's like you know another six thousand dollars of repairs that are needed and yes i've called my contractor and yes my contractor has assured me that that's how much it's going to cost uh, to make those repairs so are you saying i'm not allowed to take that credit or how, how do we in certain cases that? we have to take a look what that credit is right because a lot of the times we say that's a credit but we all know conventional fha va they all have seller closing cost credits that cannot be exceeded yes i'm getting six thousand so, dollars for that to cover my dump right, my so closing we just got to make sorry. sure that we're not exceeding the credit limits the credit limitations because we all know what happens if we can't use a credit it's going to go back to the seller like how much is that it depends on the transaction if you're looking at an fha deal you can look at six percent closing cost credits if you're looking at a conventional deal it could be three percent closing cost credits cap so it really varies on the loan product that they might be taking if they're taking private portfolio money there might not be a cap credit so it doesn't matter Right, um, but it just all really they're depends on what they're doing. You know, we're just trying. I just negotiated tra- a six thousand dollar repair credit. I'm giving myself kudos that you're telling me we can't accept that. It's a possibility that we might not be able to accept it. Okay. So we do a repair escrow in certain cases. Um, you know, especially like here in Chicago, we have the winter time, so we know that there are certain repairs that probably won't be completed during that winter time. We yeah, might have to wait until the spring. Your AC compressor. So we could do a repair escrow credit for that. But let's say there's a big hole in the roof and now it's going to be leaking all winter long it could possibly be mold remediation that you're going to need after the fact until you wait till spring that's not something that a lender is going to want to go ahead and sign off on and say okay we'll wait until the springtime to figure out exactly what the damage is going to be so can you put that in escrow like post no 
Again, you can't even get creative with these lenders because, like, so we want to get well, the. So if you're so going to have an investment buyer, buyer, if you have an investment the buyer, fix it, right, David? So yeah. you if you have an investment buyer, you can do that, right? Because you have someone who's purchasing as an investment. They're putting over 25% down. They know what kind of a risk they're taking. They're, you know, going to do some form of rehab. That's a completely different situation. But to kind of set that precedent with someone who's going to own or occupy a residence, it's a little bit different. Okay, fine. He's such joy I'm kill. sorry. I'm not being a joy kill. I'm just yes, trying to set are. expectations. Well, but at the end of the day, if you're buying something and you're in this predicament, you want to make sure that you <clears> negotiate it. You know, obviously the realtor, I love what you said, David. You know, a realtor is going to take ownership of the transaction. They're going to do their due diligence. And I like that you made that advice because some agents do leave it up to the attorneys to negotiate. But let's face it, attorneys are getting paid anywhere between 500 and 600. Not that that should determine the level of service they give our, you know, our clients, but they're big. They're taking volume transactions. They're servicing 70 buyers at a time. So we have the time to contact the other realtor and negotiate it before it gets to the hands of the attorney mm-hmm. and then get you a better deal that way because we've already built that relationship with the other realtor. And we've been in the property. We've, we've seen, seen it. it. We have <laughs> we've the proof. The we know it. <laughs> the attorneys are just chilling in their offices, getting it done, making sure title's clear, etc. And, you know, we know what it is. So it's important to take pictures on your end also when you're in the inspection. You see something that might be an issue. I know they're going to be in the inspection report, obviously, but it's good to have them in your records, save them with your file, and that's something you can compare when we go back to the final walkthrough later on. So Right, because don't be shocked when the, the realtor says, wait, what do you mean? I didn't mm-hmm. see that broken window in the basement mm-hmm. all the way in that corner. Oh, yeah. So you want to make sure that you negotiate, and obviously, um, like Javier said, check with your lender to make sure you can get a credit, and if you can't get a credit because the lending prohibits prohibits it, then negotiate to have um, seller repair it prior mm-hmm. to closing. Agreed. So, yeah, I mean, I had a situation where, I mean, we bought a property and it was a flip. So everything was supposed to be turnkey. Everything was redone. Um, but they ser- they painted the foundation um, so and they drywalled it. And in one of the closets where the furnace was, every- everything was painted so we couldn't see anything. Ten days after clients bought the property, there was water in the basement. So, like, how do you avoid that? It's, like, just insane. Like you said, you have to do your due diligence, and you have to work with an inspector that's going to be able to catch it. But sometimes some things, it's just they're so hard. Like a mold in the attic you can find, right? You can see that. And that's easy to remediate. I think one thing, I don't know how if this is kosher or not, but I remember I had one buyer who was actually asking the neighbors for a history on the property. That's a good idea. And I think that's a great, you know, great idea. Like I We're not allowed, right? But the buyers can do whatever they want. Yeah, I had this buyer, he went over to the neighbors and he was asking them questions on, "Hey, whether or not have you ever seen them have flooding or anything?" And he had a little bit of a concern because I believe it was an attached garage, mm-hmm. you know, with a downgrade, you know. Yep. And that was his biggest concern. It's like, "Okay, well, this property, I believe it was in Displains, and Displains we know has a couple flood zones and things like that." Mm-hmm. But when they signed the contract, they stated that there was never been any floods or anything like that. Asking the neighbors, they're like, yeah, this, you know, this whole block floods, you know, at least once or twice a year. You know, it's just because it's in a floodplain, yeah. right? So, well, that we can find out if it's in a flood zone. Right. But, well, like, in a lot of cases, you could be in a flood zone and not have any flood issues because you true. have the proper sump pump. You have, you know, proper setup in your home to make sure to avoid those kind of circumstances. Um, but in certain cases, you do have people where, you know, they're going to slide inside a caution and say no, no, no on, on the disclosure. And, you know, I had this specific buyer who decided to ask the neighbors and got the information that he needed and actually pulled out a contract because of that. Yeah. And we can always advise our buyers that, you know, that things are in public record. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, like in 2007, historic floods back in my hometown, you know, and a lot of houses had some damage, whatever. There was, there was coverage in the Daily Chronicle, the small town newspaper <laughs> that actually made it on ABC News that they were filming. These are things that are in the archives that you can see. Right. Um, 
you know, you're not necessarily as you're a realtor allowed to. You're going stalker mode now. Right. I mean, you, I tell you, you, you buy it like <laughs> it's your own home, right? Right. So I have a little bit of that craziness in me, so I want to make sure that right. I give it to my clients. So, so the requirement when hiring a realtor is make sure he's crazy and, you know, obsessive, compulsive, and a stalker. Yeah. Just like my mother. <laughs> I think we all are to an Like your mom. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just like my mom. Watching. Make sure everything's correct. I Ready, mean, mom? There's, it's, it's, we're making fun of it, but obviously when people are going through the process, it's overwhelming. I mean, talk about being a first-time buyer and having limited funds for down payment, mm-hmm. even getting a grant for down payment assistance, and then you know getting closing costs from the seller so you can make this dream of home ownership true. And then you come across this situation, right? Some things that you just can't prevent. I want to recommend that people buy the home warranty because home warranties allowed you and you know you're protected i mean even if the dishwasher goes off or the refrigerator or the stove something breaks and even hvacs i think they're protected through the warranty right Mm -hmm. depending on the package i believe yeah we should be like a number one rule that every you know future home buyer should have during that inspection for sure or even just like negotiate that as part of the deal like if you're going to get them mm-hmm. to repair some of the items then not all the items then get a like a home warranty they're not should they the- be there at the inspection who the home purchaser the buyer are you yeah. crazy why would they be there why wouldn't they exactly they should definitely be at they the should home definitely inspection. be there right yeah. i have a lot of home buyers who sometimes aren't at the home inspection they just they're busy well, sometimes they... people are too busy or they don't it is an investment or something and they just kind of wanted to get done or whatever but especially if it's their primary residence i yeah. think anyone wants to know and inspectors can also show you how things work oh this yeah. how you change your filter and your furnace you know that kind of thing nice so i always recommend that they be there um regardless of the situation David, about these crazy, like, ins- reports or, you know, like, documents that we give to buyers, like the mold um, disclosure and the radon disclosure and the lead disclosure, what are those items and what do we really take them face value? Uh, well, I think you should always take them face value. Radon is something to, you know, I believe it's under the third story. So third story and above, it's not really something that's affected. That's just a gas in the ground. Uh, there are areas, I know out west, Downers, Naperville, that are synonymous for having some of those pockets. And you'll buy homes and you'll see homes that actually have the radiation mitigation system in there. Um, I haven't seen a lot of that in the city. Yeah. Um, I think uh, if you want to take that extra step and take that test, it's kind of a buyer's uh, at their discretion. And you can... Uh, let them know that this is available. Um, but then you obviously can see the maps and things like you had said. There's floodplains, there's radon maps, there's things like that that you can kind of see where it might be a bigger issue. Lead-based paint, look, let's face it, most people have painted their homes over the old houses. I think it's 78, or right? That's when the, right. we, we cut <clears throat> the lead. And that's if your home was built after that, you actually don't need the, the lead-based paint disclosure. Um, so that's not something that you see as much anymore, especially with new construction and things like that. Absolutely. Right. And the chipping paint, I mean, who's going to be, you know, eating that unless it's Javier? I'm just kidding. I'm just saying, you know. Well, no. Put a little hot sauce on it and <laughs> it's good. Silly. <laughs> <laughs> little chips. No, the chipping paint is an issue for you guys because of FHA restrictions. They don't allow for homes to have chipping mm-hmm. paint. So your seller is going to disclose that they're made, you know, that the property wasn't bill before 1978 what have you so um you know there's not going to be issues of that but if there's chipping paint you're obviously going to flag it because when you guys fha do- is just just a specific requirement with fha they just don't really like to see any form of chipping paint on the exterior walls or anything like that just it's a safety precaution you know fha is you know a government entity um so it's meant more for first-time home buyers who are really low entry level down payment um so we want to make sure that you know they're doing their due diligence so it's just something additional it's kind of similar to like a va loan yeah, same right rules apply. so Every VA loan requires a termite inspection, right? Well, we're 
predominantly here in Chicago, at least in the Midwest, we really don't have a lot of termite issues or anything like that. Especially we just in the found termite climates. in one of our properties. But we have crazy. to have that. Yeah, it's it was... a mandatory requirement. Unless it's a, you know in a high rise or anything like that, you are always going to get a VA termite inspection. So it's just a couple little overlays that government loans have in specific, like with conventional financing, is never really going to be an issue to have that. Um, so it's just a lot of times I tell people FHA is really for a turnkey property that's going to be ready for you mm-hmm. just because it is an entry-level loan um, for you to be able to get into a home with a low down payment, uh, first-time home buyer program, low interest rates. You know, Mortgage insurances have reduced significantly with FHA, so it's actually been more of an attractive loan product than conventional for that first, you know, first-time home buyer. Makes sense. And you're listening to Market Overdrive. We are here every Wednesday at 10 a.m. And, of course, we're here to elevate your real estate IQ. As boring as an inspection topic can sound, we are here to let you know that you have to do your due diligence when buying property because you don't want to get stuck missing out on seeing or catching these items before the attorney, you know, during the inspection period because then, you know, you have to buy. You're under contract. Um, going into the timeline, David, so we've done our home inspection, and then how do we make sure that that seller did the repairs that they said that they were going to do and told us in writing that they were going to do? Well, there's uh, there's options to that, right? You obviously have the final walkthrough, which is a time to come back one more time, but a lot of buyers don't really want to wait that long, and, oh, we're going to do it the day of closing or the night before closing. Well, if not, something's not done to our liking, how are they going to get it done in you know five hours or even 20 minutes on your way downtown? So I like to get in there beforehand, mm-hmm. try and like establish a date with the agent. It's all about working and developing the relationships with the agents. Um, that way you can kind of have a little bit more ease when you're dealing with the transaction. Um, and try and get in there ahead of time. Key is that receipts are provided. It doesn't matter who is doing it. Uh, well, uh, it does matter. I'm sorry. It should be a licensed professional who's doing the work, electrician, handyman, whatever, licensed in the city of Chicago or whatever area that you're buying your home in, uh, and then see some documentation of that. So I like photos along the way as well, but you can't be, you know, you can't always get everything you want. I've learned that in life. No, so, absolutely. But you can ask. You definitely can ask and try. So right. that's right. what I do. How that's about you, a great Carla? advice. I mean, I always do uh, prior to just because, like you said, and People think that, like a lot of listing agents are going to say, how many times are you going to come back to the property? Mm-hmm. You know, you guys have come back like a hundred times. You have all these inspectors here. You have contractors. But we have to do our due diligence. One of my clients actually uh, complained. He's like, I was supposed to make a decision on my purchase in a 15-minute side visit of the property. And then I did a second showing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes because we're in this crazy market of multiple bidding wars, I like, you know, I, ha- I was rushed into making a decision. And I think that's like the worst situation you want to be in because it's a huge purchase, right? It's a very expensive item. Um, So I say, you know, offend whoever you want to offend. At the end of the day, you're going to be stuck or you're going to be responsible for that mortgage. So go ahead and re-enter that property as often as you need to do, but just be respectful of everyone's times, right? Mm -hmm. And your realtor should definitely make themselves available to host those showings. But for sure, I mean, I always say do it like a week prior to closing, especially with trid rules now, right? Because we have to have, if there's going to be any more credits going to the buyer, then they need to be outlined in the, is it set? I keep calling it a HUD closing statement. Closing disclosure. A closing Closing disclosure. disclosure. <laughs> I'm so old school. A oh, HUD. I think that uh, in certain cases, I usually prefer for everything to be done up front. A lot of the times, some of those repairs are going to be appraisal contingency repairs, so we're not going to get our clear to close until those repairs are completed. Um, other times, what I usually tell clients is to always try to go into the property you know, at least two days prior to closing if possible because a lot of times, I'm at the closing table. They did the final walkthrough. Wait, and you actually all of a go sudden, to closings? Yeah, I go to my closings. You know, your if closings, I, David? If I can go to closings, I'm going to attend my closings. <laughs> and a lot of the times, usually, 
the conversation is, hey, Javier, we did the final walkthrough and there was a hole on a wall that we that wasn't there when we initially viewed the property or some other issue. And now all of a sudden they're negotiating additional credits at the time of closing. And we all know that we have to make sure that we're following all lending guidelines and everything else. So I usually tell clients, try to get into the property at least 48 hours prior to your closing. That way we at least have a 24-hour window to kind of you know, negotiate or mitigate whatever we need to do to make sure that everything is buttoned up at the time of closing. Makes sense. I, like I mean, I even yeah. had I even had situations where like a property was tenant occupied and the tenant took the refrigerator and stove and the client had forgotten that they actually belong to the tenant. Mm-hmm. And so they've, they're selling this property in, on the contract. It says it comes with a stove and refrigerator, but now it's gone. So <clears> then you have to rush, right? Go to your Home Depot website. I that closing. Shush. <laughs> and you have to negotiate like, okay, how much is it going to cost to repair or replace this appliance? So you have to give yourself enough time for your attorney to go in negotiate on your behalf like a credit at that point mm-hmm. um but those are like you know like real estate is never perfect there's always going to be ups and downs and that's why i asked you like what is your nightmare story because we, we've all had them right yeah well i kind of gave you a little point of that but again like to the opposite of your final walkthrough situation that you guys had my we had we just closed a deal like last year in lakeview beautiful penthouse duplex um and the owners that disappeared to Hawaii, and they were had already pre-signed all the docs, weren't answering the phone calls from the listing agent or anything like that. And we went for the final walkthrough, and the most gaudy artwork was just attached to the walls with like serious screws and anchors and everything like that. Still, <laughs> my clients like, I'm not really down to proceed. Obviously, like they, they need to take all this stuff off, and obviously we can't reach the sellers. So then, being an agent that goes full service, because we are a referral Please basis, don't tell me you right? brought that. Did you take it down yourself? Absolutely. <laughs> Me and, me and the listing agent, I, got, I went home, grabbed my drill, came back, still in my you super closing. You can't touch closing. someone else's property. It's, it's personal property. It's, and they're signing the documents. At that closing table, they've signed all the documents. It's now their personal property, right? But they don't. They want to make sure that everything's gone before it is. So right. the listing agent and myself together, we removed the final items because they're not in the contract. We don't want the artwork. We don't want right. these things. And the, the, you, you probably kept it, though. You kept the artwork. Uh, I think the listing agent kept the mirror, which is really nice. Those really hundred dollar mirrors, the full body, so you can okay. get a good look. But then we just put some of the stuff in the in the uh, in the alley, whatever. Finally, obviously, the sellers finally got a hold of us when they landed in Hawaii. They're like, "Oh, we thought that they would like that kind of stuff." Well, obviously not. It almost derailed the transaction. You almost didn't close on your home. Do you want it? We can mail it to you. It's sitting in the garage. No. Okay. Done. That is crazy. So then you donate it, and you're a good you're a good person on that end as well. So okay. it, it, you have to go above and beyond. I love it is, that. It like is that. a referral based business. So <laughs> full service. I full like that. Service. I mean, Carla, the suit's gone. It's destroyed. So Were you in the dirt. It was awful. So you know, definitely. But, I wasn't talking about nightmare stories to you. I was talking about for your clients. But that's a that's, great way to one. save the deal. There's one actually. Well, a ruined suit is always a nightmare. Let's be honest. So, yeah. God, let's get to, to basics and men's wardrobes. There you go. Of course, our girl clothing are not as expensive as yours, but okay. Just mine. What's your horror story? My horror story, I told you. My clients, it sucked really bad because um, it it was expensive to uh, fix that foundation issue with water coming in. Um, And my clients, I mean, and we did our due diligence. The inspector brought the infrared, whatever it's called. Like, they wear these goggles, right? And they can see if it's, like, really red, there's, like, moisture in the walls. They actually wear goggles? Whatever they're, yeah, they wear these. That's intense. Star Trek right there. I like it. (laughs) Isn't that what, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then they did the drone thing because now they do the drone to look at the the roof, roof to chimney, check whatever. chimney and to see if there's um you know like the the, the chimney always has issues right mm-hmm. like these are things that you're always going to expect on a, an inspection report per se if you're buying a single family or a house um 
loose toilet or the reverse polarity. And um, and sometimes, you know, like the chimneys, they need tuck pointing or they're missing the top part. What's it okay. The flute. I forget it. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, but sure. you know, I know how yeah. to negotiate it. There you go. <laughs> that thing. Yeah. But that, that thing. Anyway, not trying to sound ditzy here. But, you know, at the end of the day, we were negotiating with these people. And it was it was <clears> crazy <throat> because the realtor just wouldn't get it. Um, they'd been on the market for a really long time. They've been overpriced. It was a flip. So obviously she had misadvised the clients, the sellers, on what the property was worth. Right. Um, and so when they were rehabbing it, they had a price in mind of what they thought the property was going to sell for. So it didn't sell for that price. And they were very upset because I was very adamant about our purchase price. And I told my clients, don't overspend on this property because there aren't any comps to support what the seller wants. Mm-hmm. So there was a big disparity between what the seller wanted and what they were willing to sell the property for, but they had been on the market seriously, you guys, freaking three months. Who's on the market three months in this market? I don't know. Right? Unless people. Uh, overpriced yeah, listings. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Overpriced so. listings. Overpriced and listings. so when it ca- came down to repairs, they were like, no, we're not doing that. No, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. And my client really, really wanted it. But I was like, Tony, you can't, like, we have to stop and, and, and look at it and just, you know, think, like, oh, what are the issues? But that issue with the water never showed up in the inspection. And so, you know, it just sucks because sometimes you're trying to do sometimes your due diligence. Sometimes it's just bad luck, and- you know. It's like, you know, something just happens. Like I remember a couple of years ago, like we had like those really heavy storms and things like that. Well, oh, that's people- the best time to go inspect a property, right? right? After yeah, rain. right after <laughs> If the seller starts canceling that inspection, they're yeah, like, oh, can we reschedule? Yep. Then you know something's up. Absolutely. Um, I actually had a situation one time with one of my buyers who called me. He was like, what do we do? Um, they actually, I get, believe it was a city of Bellwood. It was a property that had just been rehabbed. And I guess to pass the village inspection, the person who did the rehab didn't get a certain permit. So they literally had to cut a hole in the drywall for the plumbing and everything in order for the city of Bellwood to actually pass inspection because they never got their permit. So they never actually did their due diligence with checking the piping and everything else. That's insane. So during their final walkthrough, they're <laughs> walking through the home. They're like, Javier, there's a huge hole in the basement now with the drywall with exposed pipes. We called the listing agent. He's like, yeah, the contractor was supposed to go back out there to the property, re-drywall, but his car got towed or something like that. (laughs) And so now they were behind. So it's like literally they're running the gun. You know, our buyer was like, I want to postpone closing until everything gets completed and do another final walkthrough. Mm -hmm. So, you know, ended up pushing the closing out a little bit. They had rate lock implications as well, too. So I was kind of sweating it out. Um, But that's why I kind of tell everyone, do that 48-hour timeline. Don't do the day before or the day of. I don't know how many times I get buyers who are doing a closing in 1 o'clock and they're not doing their final walkthrough until 10 a.m. that morning, you know, four hours is not enough time to be able to resolve an issue that you might potentially catch in a final walkthrough. And that's crazy. I mean, you're rescheduling with the title company mm-hmm. and you're rescheduling with the attorney. You're rescheduling with the, the funds, the, the lender. You mentioned rate lock. So what is that? What are the implications with that? Well, if your rate lock is set to expire on the day of your closing and now all of a sudden we're having to extend that closing another week out, you're going to have to pay a rate lock extension. Oh, wow. Right. So that's an additional fee that could possibly be incurred in certain cases. We've had sellers who have been flexible and take ownership over the delay and there's say they'll cover the expense. Um, but in certain cases, the buyer has to pay that expense. So it's always important to do your due diligence. Don't wait until the final minute. I always say be proactive, not reactive. Right. Um, you know, so all the time, you know, try to get that thing done um, as soon as possible. And also just kind of setting those expectations as to when they say they're going to repair something, 
exactly the extent of those repairs. You know, sometimes you might want a better finish or something else. So just make sure that you set those set those expectations when you're negotiating that with your attorneys. And I'm not sure if we've done a deal yet, Carla, but I sometimes get a little bit annoying to the other agent because I obviously, <laughs> like you said, like we're they're, they're abusing realtors to not offend. Like it's an offensive process. You obviously you think what you have is the best and the buyers are trying to get the best deal possible. So there can be some feelings and some things. That's why you use a realtor kind of to mediate. So you're saying it is okay I to be sure. offensive. Yeah, well, I want to be obnoxious. To my clients. And then the, the, the agent is supposed to take what you're saying and your anger or your offense or whatever and put it into a little bit more uh, amicable flip. terms. There you go. Yeah, and clean it up a little agents, bit. Put the message out there. And so what I like to do, obviously, is I like to get updates as the work's getting done. And if I don't get a response, I'm emailing again. So was that item repaired? Can you send me a picture? Can we do this? Can I come back in and check it out? So it's getting done because a lot of times they're doing the repairs right after the inspection. That's they're how you know waiting. you're working with professionals personally. Like when you have someone who's on top of every single detail like that. Right. You know you're going to be able to get that transaction closed. At the end of the day, though, we don't get paid until the deal closes. Nobody gets paid. Our clients don't don't get what they want until the deal closes. And anything that you can do along that process to make sure that that isn't delayed or doesn't, you know, there isn't a hiccup, mm-hmm. that's just a plus. That's just what your job is. That's Love what you need to do. So, and that's, that's what market market overdrive is all about. It's about setting up, you know, like guidelines. So, like, what are your expect? How do, what should you expect from your professionals? These are all things that obviously you're a top producer, David, and you've been doing this for a while. So you understand the ins and outs, but missing out on one of these steps can mean a lot of money for our clients. So again, I'm, we're being funny about like annoying other realtors, but at the end of the day, we're representing our clients. Like it was our own purchase. And Mm -hmm. that's something I tell my buyers, my clients, like I'm going to buy this property. I'm going to negotiate it on your behalf as if I was buying it. If, if, and if it wasn't, if it isn't a good investment for me, I'm going to recommend that we step away and we just, you know, cancel contract because while you're in that attorney review period or that inspection period, you're, you're earning deposit you know you can get your earnest deposit back mm-hmm. because you're still not in like a solid contract per se it is after you close out the attorney review period that you're going to be focusing on the underwriting process and then you know you're kind of screwed like you can't get out of you know you can't have a second you know I'm like I don't want this property anymore yeah. and I mean I don't have a master's but I am still a professional I mean this is my job right and you know you're gonna we're trust masters what I at do. real estate exactly <laughs> so that's the, you need to make sure that you're doing everything possible that's the only way we're gonna get another you know referral or whatever is that we taking our clients and taking them to the next level, making sure that all, all their your fears and worries are curbed. No, absolutely. Bad, so. And I love that. I think that differentiates us between like a volume realtor, right, mm-hmm. that has like, you know, 100 transactions and they're doing all, mostly foreclosures and short sales mm-hmm. versus a boutique in, uh, realtor that's going to take that one client, right, because your time, you only have 24 hours a day. Yeah. So you can afford to spend this much time with the client and making sure you're, that you're doing due diligence for them because we're doing this all the time. So we know what to anticipate and how to handle these, these circumstances when they do arrive because, you know, not every transaction is the same. But I love the fact that you say that, you know, you're always working for that referral. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't stop there. You're not working for that client. You're working for that client's best interest in order to gain that referral. So yeah. how much of your business would you say is referral? Um. <laughs> I, I would like it to be a little bit more, yeah. but I mean that would obviously curve the cost of lead gen and everything like that. I, I think I'm around sixty percent, awesome. which is a, it's, it's it's great. It's, um, yeah. I, I love all my clients. I, I think they're all, we become friends. You know, I, I treat them to dinners, whatever. I like. I almost get a little depressed when the transaction's done. Yeah, I saw you guys running an ad out. saying that you're going to take a helicopter ride or something like that. Scott what is Newman. that all about? Scott Newman. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I want a helicopter you ride. You want to listen to Scott Newman, Newman Realty? Can, we can talk. So you get a, it is, you get a free helicopter ride. Yeah, right? That's awesome. Helicopter tour experience, so very cool. 
Um, and it's, it's it's a fun time. So I don't know if you guys have been, but it's, yeah, you can deal with a lot of personal. You know, I always kind of see that at the closing table. Uh-huh. It's like you guys grow so much, like you know, attachment with that specific buyer because it's like you're always exchanging so much personal information. It is in the so process. personal. You, we know everything. Like about they're venting them. to you in regards to you know anything that's happening. So it's like it is a relationship building process. And I always kind of tell everyone, you know, it just really depends what your long term goal is in this profession, right? So I sometimes talk to some of my bankers when they're first starting into the industry. It's like are you going to do this long term? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have forever. You know, that's my that's my timeline. Yeah. I'm going to be doing this forever. So I have forever to be able to convert that sale or get that client into that home. So that's why I always tell them, don't feel pressure in regards to feeling like, okay, I've seen 50 different homes. I got to submit an offer just to submit an offer so that my realtor doesn't think that I'm just wasting their time. You have to be sure that you want to purchase a home. Make sure that you're trusting your real estate agent as well, too. Right, trust Like, I've had huge. buyers because I like to source my own buyers. Not all of my business comes self-sourced, you know, directly from my real estate agents. A lot of the times I create my own buyers organically. And I always tell them, if you're ever feeling pressure, you ever feel like your, your real estate agent doesn't have your best interest at heart, I will align you with someone who will have your best interest at heart. Um, How just, are you firing people? I fired people you left can't and do right. That. <laughs> well, you have to look after the best interest of your client and your buyer, right? No, I Lenders agree. get fired by realtors all the time, all so the I can time. fire realtors at my due diligence as well, too, right? <laughs> if I'm finding my buyer and I see that the realtor is not doing a proper intake or even setting the proper expectations, I have professionals this the city of chicago the beautiful thing about you know ypn young professionals network which is where i met david you know the chicago association of realtors is that we do have a lot of ethical real estate agents in this market who Mm -hmm. will do the right thing for the buyer Mm -hmm. anytime you have a real estate agent tells you if you're buying an owner-occupied home to bypass an inspection run Exactly. And, and I'm only wow. teasing you, but I, I, the reason I said about, you know, like how much of your business is, is referrals is because you keep saying, you know, like I'm going to do the best for my clients, go above and beyond. And that's what we're here to do to educate you on the guidelines. These are questions you should be asking your realtor mm-hmm. up front. Like, you know, what, how much of your business is referrals? Because, you know, people trust them. Yep. And like Javier said, there's so many agents. And unfortunately, once that agent has shown you that property, they are the procuring cost and they're going to be paying, are going to get paid a commission so it's going to be very hard for you as a buyer to fire that realtor if they're not doing you know they're not servicing you correctly but that's why these are questions that you should ask them in the front end because as you can see there's a lot of you know complications with the transaction um, when it comes to inspections and final walkthroughs there's so many negotiating bits of it you have to be cognizant of the loan program so that you you know you could get those closing uh, i'm sorry repair credits sometimes they don't qualify um are you going to have a realtor who's going to leave it on up to the attorney to negotiate and then you're not getting anything so again align yourself with someone that's going to look out for you and that knows the business and that's you know that wants your business right and that's like you said, setting expectations. That's what the, the realtor's responsibility is for the buyers along the whole process. This is the expectation of the, the, the timeline. This is the expectation of the inspection, how it's going to go. Here's how we're going to handle it afterwards. And then what's going to happen in the final walkthrough. So I think it's also important in the inspection process that the inspector is, is a structural. He's like the, the big things, right? Like, oh, that's a scuffed piece of hardwood and someone wants to talk about it or a, a scratch on the stainless steel uh, refrigerator, we want that noted in the inspection report. It's important to, to let your clients know that the inspection is really getting the, the nitty-gritty, not the things that you can see physically, like, oh, this is a cosmetic, whatever. Right. We right. want to know that, that how the how the drainage of the dishwasher is going mm-hmm. into the into the plumbing. Is it yeah. actually going into the P-trap, which it shouldn't, et cetera. Right. So these are the things that we want to you know set expectations for. I don't know how you do that, but I, I pretty much, before every inspection, before we go see the listing agent, I let them know, 
They're going to give you their opinion. We can speak about it afterwards. They're going to give you a report that we can review afterwards. And to keep in mind that they are not expect inspecting the cosmetic stuff, and not every inspection is perfect. Right. So and I think they uh, buyers appreciate that. They respect that. So For sure. We're upfront and honest. And not every realtor is going to know the cost of repair, right? Mm-hmm. But it's cool to have at least someone in your database that you can call on and say, okay, so this expense, you know, there's there's water seepage in, in the foundation. Like, how do you remediate? How do you fix that? You know, there's high levels of radon. How do you remediate that? Or mold issues, termite issues. Um, you know, there's not just the cracks in the foundations, but sometimes the actual beams are, you know, they're, they're rotten or how do we, how do we negotiate that? So it's always good to, you know, for me, like you said, you, you do rehabs and you flip properties or you work with investors. I work with investors all the time. So I kind of have an idea of pricing yep. and I always tell my clients, especially if you're working with a creative budget, it's what I like to call where you're asking for down payment assistance and you're getting closing cost credits from the transaction. Um, I always say you have to be, you know, more, di- not more diligent, but you always have to remember you don't have the cash at hand to make those repairs. Mm-hmm. So if you like the bones of the home and you know you can improve on the, on the property, just always stay away from properties that are going to need like a new roof, new windows, new furnace, because those are the more high ticket items. Even tuck pointing gets pricey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, gutters get pricey. So you have to check and make sure that you're not buying something that you're falling in love with and you must have, but that are going to it's going to cost you like, you know. $18,000 to fix or, you know, 8000 right. for, uh, you know, roof or windows because, you know, it may cost me $240 a window plus, you know, installation. But for market, you know, buyers who are looking at this for the first time, they're going to just hire anybody and it's going to cost them more. Yeah. And we can't stop our buyer from falling in love with that property, right? We but can't. That's yeah. where we would, we would shine. We'd step up and we'd, at the first showing... That roof definitely, you know, <laughs> I see like 70 missing shingles. Look, it's like peeling, three, it's you know, two there layers on it. Yeah. And we already see uh, some uh, moisture in the windows and things like that. You can give that your recommendation. You're a professional. That's what you do. Uh, these are going to be pretty expensive repairs, and it's pretty visible right now. The sellers probably know, and I don't know how negotiable they're going to be. Right. So it's something that you know. You've done this many times. You can kind of let your buyers know. And sometimes they are stubborn and they want the house no matter what, and they right. want to do the work or whatever. But it's good to let them know up front when you see these kind of things. So. Right. I, like I mean, if they're buying in a location that they really want, they <clears throat> really want to be in that zip code mm-hmm. for whatever reasons, then you have to go back. But you have to be that investment consultant and say, you're buying this as an investment. You don't get, I always tell my clients, don't get emotional. Don't fall in love with it until you're at closing. And even then, it's still not guaranteed that's yours, right? Because yeah. something could happen and they may not get the loan. Um, but just real estate, it has to be objective because if you're overspending on the property because you want to win that bidding war, or you're bypassing inspection, you're doing yourself a disservice that could cost you later. And these are huge ticket items that you want to avoid, and that's why you want to do your due due diligence. Mm -hmm. So we're coming up to the end of our show. You survived it, David. It was a great time. Yeah, you did great. (laughs) (laughs) Any last minute or words of wisdom for our viewers and listeners uh, today, David? Look, I think that it's important to align yourself with professionals and people that know what they're doing, people that are going to go above and beyond, people like you, myself. There are a lot of agents in the, in the industry. I work, I'm in the YPN board, a lot of very like, solid people that are involved and on the board. So it's important who you work with. I think it's important to have a, a team. So you want to have a lender that uh, the agents worked with also, perhaps the attorney as well. It's something to kind of market as well. Like, hey, we have a team and we're going to push it this way and right. we're always in communication. <clears throat> Biggest thing on these aspects in an inspection no inspection's perfect, all right? It's the key. It, some are really, really good, and some are really terrible. But none are going to be perfect, 
And then the final thing is that in the walkthrough, your final walkthrough, I think that every agent should have a checklist that makes sure you do every single walkthrough, just like any inspection. It doesn't matter where or how much it is. They're all the same. You treat it the same. It's the same kind of thing, and you make sure that you check every single box on your item list so that way you don't have any of these. You can go back on and not have any of these like hiccups at closing or after closing that you can kind of defend and, and stand up for your clients. So. like it. Yeah. Love it. I think it's very important. Yeah, because some people, like, they'll negotiate. They have this big inspection report. They'll negotiate mm -hmm. on it. And then at final walk, they're just looking to make sure that everything is fine. And they forget to list. Yep. You want to make sure that you stop for a minute. Everybody's super excited, right? We're going to closing. They just told me how much I need to bring to closing. Mm -hmm. And you're, like, very scared. But this is the last opportunity that you're going to get. Um, to walk through this property before it becomes your responsibility. So you want to go through that list and make sure that all the items that were negotiated were actually repaired. Flush those toilets, turn on <laughs> those faucets, make sure it all works. So. Make yeah. sure that you need to, you, you know that the, kit, the the appliances are still there. Yep. They, seriously, crazy things happen. Mm -hmm. One time, one of my clients, I was representing the seller, and they took the they took the freaking washer and dryer and replaced it with a less expensive. Uh, appliance. I was like, you're kidding me, right? And I was like, wait a minute. Even I thought about it twice. I'm like, no, those were the appliances. That it was a million dollar house. Mm -hmm. You're like, come on. those. They're like, that's not the appliance that we, like, we bought. We bought these on Craigslist two days ago. <laughs> and then my client finally called me. She's like, I really love those appliances. Tim had just bought them for, for me. Well and I just wanted to keep them. Like, you can't do that. Like, yeah. you can't do that. And obviously, I'm just like, what the heck is happening? But you have to do your due diligence because seriously, real estate it is a sitcom. That's right. That's why we're in it. Every day, you can never know what's what's happening. <laughs> exactly. So it's like one big TV show. So I love it. Literally. David, thank you so much for being a part of our show. Thanks you're for more than guys. welcome to come back and I'd share your insights and what's going on. I love the fact that you're on YPN. Kudos. Yes. Love you guys. We had a YPN breakfast this morning. So any listeners, you know, we do it at that last uh, Wednesday of every month, and you should okay. come out. Javier, we'll see you there next yeah. time, right? Okay. Next Good. Wednesday. Absolutely. Elevate your real estate IQ at the YPN breakfast. Go. So, David, where can people get a hold of you if they wanted uh, to get in touch with you in regards to a real estate consultation? They can check me out at newmannoschicago.com. They can email me, david at Newman Realty, Illinois. Really easy. Pretty long. I get it. And my cell phone is always <laughs> ringing. Instagram, Facebook, it's all connected. So we'd love to reach out, talk to you guys, and uh, help you with your uh, home purchase and your... Uh, American dream, if you will. There so. you go. Love it. Every go. helicopter American ride. Dream. That's right. I'm not the only one using the whole American dream thing. You see, you always go. tell me, like, oh, Javi, you're running for office or something. That's right. Oh, my God. So do you want to do the closeout? Um, well, yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening in. Obviously, we gave a lot of tips and a lot of advice. You know, I definitely stick to the, my guns in regards to always get a home inspection, regardless of what if you're purchasing as an investment or owner occupancy, always make sure a professional is doing their due diligence and reviewing the property in detail to make sure that you don't get stuck with an investment that is going to cost you more money than you actually expected. My NMLS is 217-343, and you guys can reach me at closemyloan at thefederalsavingsbank.com. This is Javier Garcia with the Federal Savings Bank, fellow co-host Mod Squatter, and go ahead and hand off to our beautiful host, Carla Mina. Oh, did he just call me beautiful? That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, we're sharing you. some love today. Share Javi. some love. Anyway, <laughs> Carla Mina, residential real estate broker with Cole Banker, and you can find Market Overdrive at marketoverdrive.com. We have this really cool feature on our website now. It's called reaction um, and you're able to interact with us and kind of check out and let us know how we're doing we love to hear from you and if you have any questions feel free to email us at info at marketoverdrive.com we're also on instagram
Instagram and Facebook, and we do go Facebook Live. And now, thanks to Elements of Media, we're going YouTube Live because DZ, hey DZ. <laughs> yeah. Does a great job at hooking it up. So tune in next week, uh, Lucero. What are we talking about next Wednesday? Do we have the topic yet? Oh, Javier, going back to you. Do we have a topic? We will tune back in on that. <laughs> All right. I love it. Anyway, more production to come, but we will have a great topic, I'm sure. Um, every week, Wednesday at 10 a.m., we're here to elevate your real estate IQ. So make sure to follow us and, again, email us at info at Have an amazing rest of the week. Ciao.